Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. Thank you, God, for Troy and for um, his preparation. And I just pray that you would, um, yeah, just help us here with our heart and our um, your spirit inside us. Open up places that um, are dry and need. I just see a picture of kind of resuscitation a little bit, like a heart um, heart being resuscitated. So come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, babe. Twelve long years. It has been. Also, as a side note, in the midst of that conversation, um, Suzanne invited me to call her pudding pie. But the catch is, I can't, I can't say that to her until she's 80. Because I was like, can I start now? I really like that. No, you need to wait. So, you know, in marriage, there's boundaries, there's pet names. <laughs> if anybody is single and you guys want to talk about marriage, uh, Susan and I would be happy to. <laughs> I mean, later, later, yeah. But yeah, for sure. Okay, so... If you've been with us, you know that we've been trekking through Matthew's gospel, right? How many, raise your hand if you've been here from the beginning of when we first started the gospel of Matthew. Okay, a lot of folks. (laughs) We started 12 years ago, uh, and you're still here. Thank you for uh, for still being here. (laughs) Um, You know, just uh, before I get into it, I I would say, for myself, just to be honest, um, at first, the thought of teaching through Matthew as a team, because we do a teaching team rotation, because we value the multitude of voices and not just one perspective, um, the thought was actually quite daunting, because it's like 28 chapters, how long is it going to (laughs) take for us to get through this, you know, three years, five years, I don't know. But I have come to really enjoy going through such a long book, Um, and the big the big thing for me is that I've I've actually felt like it's been an opportunity for me to sort of read Jesus again in the Gospels in a fresh way. Um, A lot of things that I've thought that I knew, things that I've taken for granted, um, have actually been shattered. by Matthew's gospel, and Jesus, according to the gospels, is not always the Jesus that our culture may talk about, um, or even whom we think. And uh, so, having said that, today we're going to talk about uh, a story. Jesus told a lot of stories, a lot of parables. Um, I think he knew that as human beings, we are designed for story, 
We're designed to tell stories, to hear stories. There's something about stories that just invigorate us. We want to, uh, we love to, to love characters. We love to hate characters. We love to see how the story ends. And so Jesus understood this, and he tells a lot of stories to make a point. He tells a lot of stories in order to teach. And Jesus is always teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means in a minute. But so this is uh, another story that Jesus tells. It's called the parable of the wedding banquet. And I think Suze might have said last night or, or, or mentioned that last night. We were actually at my, my cousin's wedding. My cousin, he lives downtown. And he just got married last night. And it was amazing. Um, I don't always enjoy weddings. Um, it just kind of depends, but I really enjoyed this one. Uh, it was a lot of fun. My daughter, Lucia, she's about two and a half. She danced on the dance floor in front of everybody for like two hours straight. And she actually, I would argue, started the party on the dance floor. <laughs> and we were all dancing and having such a good time. And in the midst of it, I'm just thinking, gosh, there's something about dancing and, and being at a party, being in a wedding that can be so freeing. People who would not normally smile and sort of be loose and have a good time, if they're on the dance floor and you take and they have enough courage to just kind of let go, it can be so invigorating, so life-giving. And it was so fun to dance last night. And it's funny in that um, this parable is about a wedding. And Let's get into the text. Here's what, uh, so if you have a Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 22. Um, why don't we read together out loud uh, this story? Read with me. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. The wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. And the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, 
but few are chosen. So 12 years ago, Susie and I had our wedding. We got married. And just give you a quick snapshot. I see Suzanne coming down the aisle, this beautiful white dress, her parents uh, on either side of her holding her up. She's walking down the aisle. I didn't plan on losing it, but I lost it. Um, I learned that I cry through the nose. Um, and, and so I'm bawling from that moment until the end of the ceremony. Um, so if, if you're getting married soon, I, the only recommendation I would make, well, one of them would, would be uh, just make sure to have some Kleenex on hand because you might need it. Um, but it was, it was an incredible day, an incredible celebration, uh, certainly one of the, the most uh, uh, amazing days of my life. And it was a great party. We ate food, we danced, we had a lot of fun. I even had my I even got to play the drums at my own party. If you don't know, I'm a drummer, and I had my drum teacher's jazz band playing live jazz music, and there was a part where I got to go up there and play with them and do a drum solo, and I freaking killed it, and it was amazing, <laughs> and it was just, it was an amazing day, right? And so Jesus, he's talking about the kingdom. Again, whenever Jesus is teaching, he's teaching about the kingdom of heaven, or if you're in a different gospel, uh, it might say kingdom of God, same thing, okay? Um, and maybe just to clarify the whole, like, what is that or what does that mean? So Jesus is the king of his kingdom. And to follow him is to be a kingdom person. What does that mean? That means to worship. That means to take a posture of lowliness and to say, Jesus, you are king, I am not. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? So Jesus is talking about the kingdom. And this story, I think, is as relevant today as it was when he said it in the first century. Uh, what do I mean? So Jesus uh, is telling this story, he's particularly talking to the religious leaders of the day. He's in the temple. And the temple is the central place of worship in the life of God's people, Israel. So if you wanted to worship God, you had to go there, offer sacrifices, etc. This was the place to worship, okay? So Jesus is there, and he's having this lengthy conversation with the leaders of the temple, okay? The experts, the authorities, those who have the most power, the most influence, the most sway, okay? And Jesus is actually challenging their authority as he tells this story. So he's having this conversation. He tells this story. And essentially, he's saying in himself, as the Messiah, God's king, God, it's like God is throwing this massive, amazing wedding party. And we are invited. And in this story, he's, he's saying that uh, the religious leaders who are opposed to Jesus, they are invited. And 
they respond. They respond. So uh, I'm just going to point out three ways in which I see them responding to uh, Jesus' invitation to follow him. Uh, And these are all negative. (laughs) Uh, Number one, they respond with indifference. So the Messiah, Jesus, has come. He is the long-awaited Messiah. Uh, Many Jews in his day were waiting for their king to come to free them from their Roman occupiers, their oppressors. The Romans were in charge, they were over them, and Israel was waiting for their king to come and to lead them into military victory so that they would be on top, okay? So that they would be in charge. And Jesus, in this invitation, uh, says that, that one way that people respond, that they respond, is by indifference, which is kind of crazy to me that they would respond this way. So, like, here's the call, here's the invitation to, to like, the thing they've been waiting for, and they're like, meh. Like, I just don't get that. It's insane. But they say, meh, you know, and they basically ignore it, (laughs) and they say, you know, they have other things to do. You know, I've got to go to my business. I've got to go tend to my farm. You know, I have other things to do that are important. In fact, more important than what you're talking about um, and the party that you're inviting me to. And I think this is so, so relevant to us today. I don't know about you, but I see myself in this text with indifference. Um, I mean, fill in the blank of things that, uh, that we would put as a priority before, as more important, we would sort of classify as more important than Jesus's invitation to follow him. Um, I mean, my career, my project, my sex drive. Yeah, I said sex. We're adults. We can talk about it. Uh, my dream, my legacy, my family. Fill in the blank. What, what is that for you? What is that for me? Uh, this is basically how Los Angeles and the entertainment industry says to live. You know, I mean, a lot of us probably are not from Los Angeles. I'm not. And maybe moved here, you know, to, to like make it in fill in the blank, which I'm not at all saying is a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. But it's actually uh, a question of is that coming before Jesus Christ, or is Jesus Christ coming before that? That's the question. Um, a long time ago, I was talking with a friend about being a Christian and what that meant, and he's like, you know, like, everything you're saying about Jesus and your faith sounds really great, but I just don't want to change I like my life. I like being in control. I like making my own decisions. I like being able to do whatever I want to do. And so that's why I don't want to be a Christian. And I really appreciated his honesty because I don't, (laughs) you don't get that a lot. Um, But 
Jesus, following Jesus will be the biggest interruption <laughs> in your life. I can guarantee you that. Um, number two, they responded with hostility. They murdered Jesus. Jesus was so offensive. Jesus uh, threatened the religious leaders' power and authority and sway and influence so much so their, their comfort, their position, their success. They, Jesus has threatened all that because if he was the Messiah, they would have had to um, submit under his authority, right? And so they planned to murder him. Have you, ever, have you ever been so offended by somebody or hated someone so much that you just, you wish they were dead? Yeah. So this is like what was going on, okay, with these guys in Jesus. Um, I heard someone say once, you know, uh, Jesus, stay on the cross and stay out of my life. Stay on the cross and stay out of my life. You're not the boss of me. Maybe you are, but I don't want you to be the boss of me. I don't want you to tell me what to do. I don't want to have to submit, lay down all the things that I think are important, the way that I want to live my life to you and give you control. Because if I give you all authority in my life, you might ask me to do something I don't want to do. You might ask me, uh, and you might lead me into places uh, that I don't want to be. You might lead me towards people that, uh, that I don't want to hang out with, that maybe we have nothing in common. Like there's nothing, I just got to be honest, there's nothing sexy about following Jesus. There's nothing sexy about it. So in the end, God's kingdom, which will, which um, when we talk about God's kingdom here, we talk about it as like, heaven. So in the end, God's kingdom, heaven, is going to come to earth and will level all other kingdoms. So the question in that is like, what kingdom are you building? Because in the end, it's going to be smashed. I'm building my own kingdom. I'm being honest. But there's another way. The call is to partner with Jesus as he restores wholeness to the world. And we can be a part of that. So it's the invitation, it's the call, but there is a high cost to it. And thirdly, you know, I got to be honest with this, with this next one, uh, Allison, I'm not sure that I know how to pronounce this correctly. Does anybody know? Obstinateness. Okay, that's what I thought it was, but I just, you know, want to confirm, make sure. Don't want to look like a dope up here. Um, so at the end of the story, at the end of the story, this is fascinating. The king comes into the banquet, and he sees this guy who's not wearing the proper attire for the party. And he calls him out and he's like, friend, how did you get in here? Because someone let him in. 
how did you get in here? And the man had nothing to say. He was silent. And the king had him thrown out of the party. And then it gets like kind of weird because Jesus says something about, uh, you know, throwing him into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of the teeth. And that actually is not the first time Jesus uses those words, uses those phrases. Um, that happens about four or five times in Matthew's gospel. And I would encourage you to, uh, to look at those. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I think it's a warning to believers and to non-believers. Uh, and the point, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to this in, in a second. I think the point is we can show up to God's party on our own terms and actually in the end, be thrown out. Let's talk about three takeaways as we head into a close. Number one, uh, from this story we learn that only God can judge because God delegates his servants to do various things, um, to invite people, when they reject the invitation, okay, go invite anyone you can find, good people, bad people, anyone who wants to come. But at the end of the story, it's the king who has the authority to throw the guy out. Only God can judge. You know, my dad was married before he married my mom, and they ended up getting divorced. And my dad's dad uh, was very religious, and he basically told my dad that if he didn't get back and reconcile with his first wife, and my dad had already married my mom at this point, <laughs> so that would have been really weird, uh, possibly polygamous. Um, he said, if, if you don't reconcile, and, and my grandpa was being as serious as could be um, because he really believed this, he said, if you don't reconcile, you're going to hell. He made an eternal judgment call on my dad. My dad walked away from the church. He walked away from God. Only God has the authority to judge. Yeah, thank God. Uh, number two. We can fool people, but we can't fool God. We can fool people, but we can't fool God. So, I mean, Jesus doesn't, does not give us a lot of detail in the story about this guy that gets thrown out, except that he didn't have the proper wedding attire on. But... I really think that as, as we're all invited to the kingdom, to following Jesus, we can show up to the party, but do it on our terms, and in the end, get thrown out. That's 
pretty sobering for me. Now, uh, to be honest, uh, I guess to the point. So, sorry, the the siren is distracting me. Okay, okay, I'm back. Um, you know, commentators are sort of split on on the meaning of the wedding garments. So there are there are many evangelical scholars who would say that represents Christ's righteousness. So like we show up to God's party, show up to God's kingdom wearing Christ's righteousness as opposed to our righteousness. And that's what Jesus is talking about. There are other scholars who would say, yeah, yeah, but there does seem to be something more, meaning that there's this idea of invitation with expectation. There's this idea of invitation, come to the party, come to the kingdom, follow Jesus, let him be Lord of your life. But what that looks like is hearing Jesus and then obeying. Like that's worship, right? And so we can actually, you know, check off the list, do all this stuff, you know, come to church, serve, whatever. But our hearts can be, I mean, it's not a new idea. Our hearts can be a million miles from God. We can be deteriorating on the outside so that, you know, everybody looking, everybody looking at you is like, dude, that person is so holy, so spiritual. Like just what an example, you know? But it's actually possible for, for that person to be fooling maybe themselves and fooling us too but we can't fool God. And uh, I think it's about worship as far as like, what does the wedding garment symbolize? Troy, I would say it's about worship. And what I mean by worship is obedience. So I believe to follow Jesus is to hear his voice and then to obey. That to me is worship in the Gospels, when you read it and you read about Jesus, like, he is the model for us. He is the example, the prime example of what does it mean to follow God? What does it mean to be obedient? What does it mean to live a life of worship? He heard the voice of his Father in heaven, and he obeyed, even unto death. Total abandonment into trust in his heavenly Father. Invitation with expectation. And finally, I believe that we are, uh, this is more of a practical, like what, what could we do to be more like God in this text? Um, we're called to echo, live lives that echo God's invitation and expectation. Years back, I was sitting right over here Actually, Lainey, right about where you were sitting, this area, I was sitting over here. It was a Thursday night. It was a, a, a sanctuary service, and we had broken up into small groups to pray for each other. And in our group, there's three of us. There was myself, 
there was one of our founding pastors, Anita, and there was another lady. And we were asking, you know, how can we pray for each other? And the lady was talking about um, unforgiveness and how when she was younger um, and she had grown up in a different state, she, she had like a handful of sisters and they just like pounced on her. They, they bullied her. They took advantage of her. They gossiped. They just were really, really mean to her. And, and then she said, you know, um, that's what happened. And, I, and she was really adamant and strong in saying, I will never forgive them. I am taking that to the grave. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know what to say or what to do, you know? And I was so thankful that Anita was sitting there because she kind of paused and she said, you know, I hope that one day you can be free of that anger and bitterness by forgiving them. She was speaking the truth in love. Her posture, her language was invitational as opposed to like, you know you need to forgive them, right? (laughs) I mean, right? (laughs) It was invitational. And I think that's a really great practical thing that we as a community with one another as we're doing life together, as we're doing the kingdom together, can like can even grow in, being invitational with each other. Now, and, 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 and even outside these walls, to have this posture of invitation with people. I think it might help us maybe get a little more, maybe get better, maybe get a little more comfortable um, in talking about Jesus and inviting people to him um, with people that are not Christians. I think... Why don't you go ahead and stand? We're going to head into ministry time now. Ministry time is where we make space, we carve out space to respond to God. Max, if you want to come up, and Max is just going to tinkle the ivories. Oh, tickle. Tickle, tickle. I always get that one wrong. You might feel a little tickled. And if you would, just open your hands with me. You don't have to do this. It's just a physical, tangible way that we can communicate yes to God. So Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. God, we don't want to live in the bondage that is living a life for ourselves. God, we've, we've lived as masters of our own destiny for too long. It feels great, but it's always disappointing. It never lives up to what we think it's going to be. So this thing of like being in this open posture 
to you, Lord, every day getting on our knees, saying, you are Lord, we are not. What do you want me to do? How can I worship you? Songs are part of it, but how can I go deeper than the song I sing? How can I give you my heart? How can I go low? Come, Lord. Come. Jesus, would you would you make real to us the invitation to the party of heaven. <laughs>